This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Mark Fishkin, back together, Voltron style with Dave Martinez. How are you, Dave? Very happy to be back. There was a there was a poignant question on Twitter as to whether we are the Cars or Lions Voltron. Uh, just out of curiosity, since we didn't discuss it prior to the show, uh, what do you think? Well, so here's the thing. So the the Lions Voltron mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. really was the more meaningful Voltron because the Cars Voltron they were like thirty cars, like they were lots and lots. I of agree. Cars. So I think I think we're Lions. I, I think we're Lions as well. I'm glad we got that settled. Now we can move on oh, with the show. Now we can move on the show. Mm-hmm. Tonight on Seeing Red, we're going to talk about new players for the New York Red Bulls because why limit yourself to the start of the season when you can add new players? We can add players during the season. And we'll talk about a new defender. We'll talk about the need for that defender. We're going to... Oh, our guest tonight, hello, is New York Red Bulls general manager, Mark DeGrandpre, who has a pretty substantive... Uh, substantive, excuse me, interview. We're going to talk about a whole lot of things with Mark. We're going to talk about 20th anniversary celebrations. We're going to talk about blue team impact. We're going to talk about Red Bull out impact. We're going to, we're going to talk about a lot of things with Mark. And oh, we do actually have a game this weekend, unlike last weekend. The Red Bulls take on DC United Sunday at 5 p.m. at Red Bull Arena on ESPN2. So we're going to be talking about that. Lot, lot going on. Lot going on. And we've got your emails, so let's get right into it. Um, ta- Kamar Lawrence is not necessarily a known quantity, but he is the latest, newest defender on the New York Red Bulls. Uh, that he is, and he is covering a vital spot. We've spoken about uh, some of the depth issues that the team has this year, and uh, one area is definitely at the left fullback position. Kamar Lawrence, 22 years old, uh, brings a young, vibrant international flavor, Jamaican international, to the club. And somebody who could spell Roy Miller, my biggest issue with Kamar, without seeing his game or without knowing much about him, is come Gold Cup time this summer. If Roy Miller's mm-hmm. gone, then what is the point of having a Kamar Lawrence? Because from, if you've read the scouting reports, if you've uh, seen the recent history with, uh, with Jamaica, he seems to be a player there. Yeah, 13 appearances all-time for the Reggae Boys, and he's a young up-and-comer on that Jamaican defensive line. So it, it, this, this seems to me to be a real an emergency signing by Ali Curtis in terms of just getting a warm body. Right. And also, as we've talked about for years now, I mean, it's clear to me after this move, Connor Laid is going to Red Bulls too. I mean, he's going to the Baby Bulls because there is no room for him to have a meaningful role on this team when you're going to sign a guy like Kamar Lawrence. Yeah, it's kind of funny with Connor Laid. I mean, he was so explosive. Thierry Henry loved him that first year. Uh, did fall off after the injury, and it's a tough thing to watch. A good player, a really a sound locker room person as well. Uh, the only position I do see him filling in is the position that he was in during the preseason, which was at right fullback, possibly as a as a third option at, at right midfield as well. Lade is Lade has the talent to play the, uh, many different positions, mm-hmm. and you'd hope that he's utilized the right way. But as you said, you know, the, the more things progress with him, it does seem like he's heading towards that type of role with the club, and it's it's a shame. 
It really is a shame, of course, that we really need to have Kamar Lawrence start this weekend against DC United, primarily because Roy Miller picked up an ankle knock in training this week. He won't play, and our our friend Ronald Zubar will also not be playing this week due to that hamstring injury. Right. It seems uh, Roy Miller picked up a bit of a knee strain. I don't know if it was a knee strain. Sorry. Well, he got his foot caught in the turf. One of his leg parts is hurt. (laughs) He got his foot caught in turf. Uh, during training, and uh, and that has sidelined him. So, uh, quite a bit of luck there for Roy to start off the season. And Zubar again, he's still struggling with the with the hamstring injury. He's uh, he's working along with the training staff with the Red Bulls, trying to get up to form. I mean, look, this is the guy that's supposed to be this new era's version of Alave, right? The the Marsh era's Alave. So, not having him there is going to be tough. And look, Miazga has a high high ceiling, and he's most likely going to be the person to get the nod, but. You saw him in that first match. You saw him down the stretch last season after a few good performances, a bit green. He has to go out there and prove himself clearly. But uh, so early in the season, for it to be the home opener against DC United and depending on Matt Miazga, who's shown himself to be a bit green at this level, uh, man, it's going to make for a tough, tough prospect against DC this weekend. And when we talked about, as you said, Dave, going into the season, where was the Red Bulls' Achilles heel? And it was going to be on that back line. You go and you sign a guy like Zubar, experienced guy, played uh, high level in, in, in English soccer, and then he comes in and he's out in the second match. And New York is going to have to figure out how Damien Perrinell and Matt Miazga, or perhaps uh, Jean-Baptiste, could possibly pull together. It's not what you want to be doing. It's not an ideal situation for your home opener in front of what should be and could be a very large crowd. And it, it, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't uh, breed a whole lot of confidence ahead of a big rivalry match coming in. So let, let's talk. Oh, there, there was one player, though, when you think about players like Dane Richards coming back to the team. Brandon Barklage was just let go by the San Jose Earthquakes. And here's a guy that in his probably in his um, uh, peak with the Red Bulls dropped two goals on D.C. United at Red Bull Arena a number of years ago. And he was a former D.C. United player that got cut, wound up in New York, and Barklage punished them. And you just kind of wonder, you feel bad, obviously, that Barklage is left off the MLS roster, but if a couple of days had gone by uh, without Lawrence, maybe Barklage would have wound up uh, taking the field with the Red Bulls. Barklage had uh, quite the career with New York uh, while he was here. Uh, it would be interesting to see if they would even give him a look, because uh, quite mm-hmm. frankly, they do need as much help on the defense as they possibly can get. If you look at the core of the Red Bull defense this year, outside of and I'm doing this off the top of my head, outside of... Uh, would you call, could you even call it a core? <laughs> well, outside of Perinel, Miller, and I'll, I'll throw Zubar out there, I don't think anybody's past 25 years old. I mean, you have a very young core there. Uh, to bring a Brandon Barklage back to take over or to at least uh, to at least bolster the right side of the fullback position, I think would be helpful uh, for the club, uh, in particular with all the absences that are, that are going to be happening this year. Uh, somebody with the experience of playing in New York, uh, somebody who's had success here, and someone who left, in the opinion of many people, a bit before his time. He really, I think he had more to give in New York. But, you know, this is uh, sports and this is how it happens. It'd be very interesting to see if he gets another look here. Carl we met is 32 years old. Just throwing it out there. Carl we met is 22. 
He's 22. He's a young man. He's incredible. Well, in, <laughs> in, in that in that case, our friends at Metro Fanatic are uh, are not their, their their stat page is not up to date. So, oh, no. my apologies. No, and Dan, no fix that page, won't you? Mm-hmm. So New York takes on a DC United team that won their only match of the season, a one nothing win over Montreal Impact at RFK Stadium on March seventh. This was not a an attacking group from DC that you were accustomed to seeing, primarily because Fabian Espindola is serving his uh, his six game suspension that he picked up after going after the ref after the Red Bulls knocked DC out of the playoffs. A they also are without Eddie Johnson, who sadly uh, appears to be suffering from some sort of heart condition that uh, is certainly sidelining him right now. And we uh, obviously wish Eddie Johnson uh, the, the, the best of recoveries. Absolutely. But Hero hey, Arietta, who is a recent addition from the Columbus crew, comes on, has one shot on goal the entire match, and it goes in the back of the net in the 58th minute against Montreal, and that was uh, all that was needed. Other than that, it was a very, very similar D.C. United team to the one that took on the Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. Bill Emmett in goal, Franklin Boswell, Steve Birnbaum, and Jeff Korb, Nick DeLeon, Perry Kitchen, Arno and Rolf, and Arietta up top with party boy Chris Pontius. So this was a team that was outshot 16-13 by Montreal. Montreal had a lot of late opportunities that they were unable to convert. Saving all of their juice for the CONCACAF Champions League, apparently, because they have a, a leg up in the semifinals, mm-hmm. a 2 nothing win uh, tonight against um, Costa Rica and Alolense. They have 21-year-old Mexican Miguel Aguiar at forward, who came off the bench um, and showed quite a bit of what he could do, but... Uh, you know, DC United is not the different team. Obviously, it's the New York Red Bulls that are going to be completely different from what 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 they showed DC last time out. Absolutely, and the person in in Arietta who they have now uh, fits in so well, complements their system so well. A slasher, a runner, a constant threat. If he's able to receive any kind of service in space, he's going to be a danger. He's always going to be uh, somebody that, that has a nose for goal. Uh, that is uh, that is where DC has an advantage this weekend. This. Uh, this club, you got to give it to them. Over the last couple of years after that uh, disastrous 2013 season, they've really come back, come back as a core, and uh, and they they have now established an identity under Ben Olsen. Uh, they have continuity, more so than the Red Bulls had last year, and they're going to be a contender this year. And once again, it's going to be interesting from, uh, from Jesse Marsh's aspect. He's going out there and telling his players they're good enough to compete with anybody, and the players are really buying into into Marsh's message this year. So taking that into consideration, home opener, a bit of momentum on the Red Bull side as far as that goes, taking on a more experienced DC, uh, again, it's going to be a, another one for uh, for the history books when it comes to this rivalry. For what it's worth, Montreal played the same 4-2-3-1 that the Red Bulls will most certainly employ on Sunday afternoon, and they were able to come out with a victory. So uh, so I think this is uh, it's certainly my first prediction of the year. But Dave, I want to hear your prediction for Sunday night, 5 o'clock, Red Bulls home opener, D.C. What do you think? This is going to be one that uh, Jesse Marsh is going to want to make a statement. I think it's it's important, considering the climate in New York City currently, that the Red Bulls come out for the win. And I don't see anything short of that happening. So I'll, I'll call it a one nothing victory for New York. You are saying, Dave Martinez... Yes, I am. ...that a back line of 
Kamar Lawrence, Damian Parnell, mm-hmm. Matt Miazga, and Chris Duval mm-hmm. is going to shut out DC United. I am saying I just, that. I'm just. I want. I want you to make it very clear that is in fact what you just said. You're going to see some Dax McCarty in the back, shielding the back line, kind of a throwback to the uh, Hans Baca days. Uh, Felipe will most likely be he'll he'll have to stay back. I mean, I know that the instinct is to go forward, but he's going to have to stay back as well. And they're gonna they're gonna beat him on the counter attack. There's a lot of speed on this team, and after Bradley Wright Phillips' performance uh, on opening day, not being able to get a single shot off, not having any type of service whatsoever, the team has had two weeks to work on this stuff. I know the back line is beyond shaky. Uh, but this isn't. Uh, this is a time where the team has to come together and find a victory. It's call it narrative, call it what you will, but the climate being what it is, there's no other result for New York this weekend. And I do think that they will be able to. DC has been good, uh, but you saw them struggling against Montreal a bit. Yep. And uh, that experience is going to be put to the test. Uh, Arietta, like I said, if he has service he will be able to score. If that service isn't there, if it's somehow cut off on the road, it's a different story. So I think that things can align the right way. A lot depends, of course, on the center backs, whether Miazga will be able to hold up, whether Perrinell can be the veteran leader on that line. Of course, that's going to be something we'll be watching the entire game, but New York has no choice. They have to go out there and win. So you're basically, you're basically saying New York's going to line up just about in a 6-3-1 yeah. in an attempt to uh, make up for defensive uh, weaknesses. 6-3-1, Lloyd Sam running it. I mean, that's going to be – it's going to be that kind of a match for the Red Bulls. Uh, heavy right. on the counter, heavy on the speed on the flanks, and uh, covering as much as possible on that defensive side. I, I, I think they'll be able to pull it off. Okay, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah. That's not what's going to happen at all. Um, <laughs> this, there's no way that this defense is going to shut out a team like DC United. There, there's no no possible way. I, I think New York concedes twice. The good thing is I think they're going to score twice as well. I think Bradley Wright Phillips is going to get on the board. I don't necessarily see in Boswell or Birnbaum a guy that's going to be able to completely shut Bradley down. So I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. And as as much for you saying that New York, New York must get a win, um, this franchise has a, a history of not getting what they need. So I'm going to call it a 2-2 draw. Let's turn our attention before we go to break, of course, to the uh, the atmosphere right now. Uh, in the city with the market, um, with the two teams after last uh, week's, frankly, picture-perfect experience uh, up in the Bronx. Just about every media story was a gushing um, love fest Mm -hmm. about what happened over there with thousands of people, seemingly every single person who has either never attended an MLS match or never was even aware of the New York Red Bulls, uh, went to this game and bought a scarf and bought a hat and really bought everything. And so there's already a love fest after this perfect blue game. And so I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on you know, what happens now, because now it's time for New York to return serve. Well, the initial reaction, okay, because we all expected disaster is, is shock. It couldn't have gone any better, as you said. It was a picture-perfect blue day uh, for NYCFC. And now I do want to turn the attention back to the Red Bulls. How do you counter well, that? Well, that? this is a perfect place to do that. Absolutely. How do you counter it? You know, as of right now, I, I will say... 
that on a bye week, I have never seen the Red Bulls name mentioned in newspapers so much. And it's mainly from being buried in between NYCFC articles. I mean, they are getting their mentions out there. They are not lost in the market. Having said that, New York has to do something to stand alone. Uh, all uh, this is the whole philosophy that Don Garber had from the get-go, right? All ships are going to rise together here in the same rising tide. Uh, but in that rising tide, Red Bull has to try to stand alone, and it starts with this home opener. There's a lot, Mark. There's there's so much emotion heading into this home opener, uh, stemming back from the Mike Petke firing uh, through. I mean, people that are oblivious to it and are just there to see DC United, the main rival. Uh, this is going to be a statement game, and it's going to continue with this narrative. Finally, there is this glare of media attention. You want it to continue, no matter good, bad, or indifferent. You want there to be something written about your club. NYCFC is going to continue opening those doors. Red Bull will now fall under the microscope this weekend with the stadium that they are calling Built for Soccer, right? Uh, Let's see how many people go into that stadium that's built for soccer. Uh, the attendance, the atmosphere, and of course the supporters. I will repeat this, and I said it during uh, during the show that we had a couple of weeks ago with Dan. The biggest difference, and it was shown on day one, between what the South Ward can do and what the Third Rail can do, you're talking about novices to the field, and you're talking about the hardcore veterans of the league. Uh, ESC, Viking Army, GSU have been through every single war. They have, they know how to bring an atmosphere to a stadium. They have their songs down pat. They don't have to go practice off of YouTube and Skype each other. This is a, a fan base that can electrify, that can help to turn a narrative. And, you know, despite all the pain that happened this, uh, this winter, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there is, a vibrant show of support to show that not only is NYCFC thriving, but the Red Bulls are right there with them. And they have a chance to make that statement this weekend. It's not a must win. Nothing's must win in the third week of the season. Uh, but as far as narrative goes, as far as this budding rivalry with the, uh, with the folks across the Hudson, I think it's incredibly important to come out with a victory. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm not so sure and maybe it's just because I'm I'm aware of the history of this team I'm aware of the history of all of the th- seemingly the missed opportunities that have happened over the years when you compare and contrast uh, New York's home opener in 1996 with uh, curricula to what happened the other day in the Bronx it it's it's it just seems to me as if uh, these clubs are just having, will have two very different stories to tell. That doesn't necessarily mean that the Red Bulls can't find success and, and that they won't find success. It just means that I, for one, am not necessarily buying into narrative that um, if New York doesn't uh, win or if New York doesn't have a good crowd or if New York doesn't have a good showing then somehow that means something. I think that the the leadership around this team on the business end, and we're going to hear, obviously, from Marta Grandpre in the next segment, they're going to do it the way they do it, because that's what they've always done. And they're not necessarily um, going to measure themselves against these other guys. I know, after talking with you, Dave, that there are a lot of people that would love... Well, there there are a lot of people anyway that would love to see... Um, the Red Bulls respond in a big way 
to what happened last weekend. Um, I guess the only way they can do that, frankly, is to fill the arena and have a competitive match. Um, I'm not so sure they have to win. I think they just have to put on a show and um, show everyone what the best soccer-specific stadium in the United States looks like when it's uh, nearly sold. And, and also the kind of play that you have on the field. Let's start to see some of that. Look, it, we've only seen it once. We've seen one game under Marsh, but they're talking about up-tempo soccer. They're talking about uh, a thrilling style to watch. They have some of the pieces there. They've gotten younger this uh, this winter. Let's see that in practice. Let's see what they can bring aboard uh, this weekend at Red Bull Arena. I'm not – just going back to something that you had said – and we're speaking about narratives, clearly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not one to buy into the narrative that the battle's already lost either. I'm not into into thinking that this team, New York City FC, which have really done everything that could possibly go wrong, everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong for that club. I don't see how one majestic, uh, unbelievably perfect night at Yankee Stadium uh, can reverse all of that fortune. They still have to run the team. They still have to sell Sporting KC next week. How do yep. you drag these people back? One game is a spectacle. Coming back, well, that's a different story. And that's, I think, over time, though the pitch was perfect at Yankee Stadium, though things went without a hitch, there are still landmines throughout the path in the Bronx. And that is what can turn the table. The Red Bulls don't have to worry about the field being a disaster. Uh, they kind of got over that after the Hans Baca era. They gave the grass some time to grow there. Things rooted down, and you got a perfect pitch. There's no real complaints any longer like there were in, in year one and year two about the field at RBA. Uh, this is a, a stadium that's ready to play. They have a good grounds crew. They're ready to go. And they have, again, some talent that can be – exciting to watch if played in the right way so that is why i put so much importance as nycfc made a very good first impression on the field the red bulls have to do the same the first this is a do-over for everybody you know what i mean this is the reason why they bought the blue team in they want to have a new focus a new spotlight on the new york city market and this is the red bulls chance to have a first impression again again <laughs> make it the third first impression they've had so far in their history and and do it right do it right i'm just i'll be very curious if um the new york media will pay any attention to sunday afternoon's game uh given the amount of coverage that the blue team got last week and uh, i i'll go out on a limb here in saying that it will be a fraction of uh, the kind of coverage that we saw last week which is this should surprise absolutely no one when we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to New York Red Bulls general manager, Mark DeGrandpre, about the business side of the team, plans for the year, and um, encountering that other team. We'll be back after this at Seeing Red at Backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. We're back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, like Voltron, back together with you talking Red Bulls before the New York Red Bulls 2015 home opener. We're very, very pleased to be able to have, uh, for his second time in his current stint uh, with New York Red Bulls, that's General Manager Mark DeGrandpre. Mark, how are you tonight? Very good. How about you guys? Very, very excited for a home Red Bulls match. Actually, very excited for, for a Red Bulls match after a week off. Um, let's start here. Big season, 20th anniversary, 
Talk to us a little bit, if you would, about the kinds of things that you have planned uh, to commemorate such a special anniversary. Yeah, we're extremely excited about, obviously, this 2015 season being our 20th anniversary. Um, there's two big themes that we're going to carry out through the season uh, amongst many things, but the two main ones we want to talk about or touch on is, well, we will recognize throughout the season our season ticket holders that have been with us since day one. So they'll be uh, incorporated in a lot of um, activities pre-game, in-game, post-game, um, and recognizing them throughout the season, providing them with unique experiences, meeting groups with our alumni. Um, and then on top of that, obviously throughout the season, regularly we'll be honoring, you know, our alumni and we'll have, you know, we've seen some of it being discussed now, best 20 and 20. Uh, so, you know, every game we'll, uh, we'll be talking about bringing back some of our alumni, honoring them and, you know, memorializing them in the arena. Um, I'm not going to say where or when, but everyone will see some of that uh, in, in the coming weeks. So we're, we're excited to be doing that. You know, it's bringing back not only our players and talking about the history and the, and the great things that have occurred over the years, but also really recognizing the, the fans and the supporters that have been with us since day one, which to us was also very, very important to make sure that they were recognized and thanked for everything and uh, they've done and the support they've given us over the years. But that's two things that will be part of a, a comprehensive plan that we have for the season to, to really celebrate this milestone year, not only for our club, but for the MLS. You know, Mark, the last time we spoke, one of the things that, uh, that you'd brought up was uh, possibly having a, uh, a Hall of Fame or a Ring of Honor, however you want to put it, uh, for the Red Bulls, honoring, again, as you said, as part of this motif for the 20th anniversary, uh, bringing back all uh, alumni, as you call them. And uh, there are some special players in the history of this club. Is that something that's still in the works? Absolutely. So I, I don't want to, you know, give everything away tonight. But, yeah, you'll see. Some <laughs> give a little away that, tonight, Mark. Give yeah, a little away. You'll see some names on walls memorialized in the stadium. And, you know, um, some maybe um, in different areas. But you'll see we're definitely making sure that everyone understands when they walk in the building uh, – Throughout the course of the season, obviously, it's going to develop as the season unfolds here um, that, you know, by the end of the season, folks will get a clear understanding of what's occurred over the last 20 years, where we've been, who's been through uh, the doors of Giant Stadium and obviously at Red Bull Arena. And um, it really will tell a great story. Mark, obviously, uh, international teams barnstorming North America is something that ha has happened with, with a lot of regularity, and obviously the Red Bulls have played host uh, last season to Arsenal. Um, with the, the word that some of uh, two weekend matches have been shifted to weeknights during the season, can Red Bull fans expect a high-profile international friendly this season? Yes, our fans should expect um, a high-profile international friendly. The July window was obviously freed up to accommodate those things, and obviously the April 4th match, we, we moved it to accommodate our MLS partner, you know, the impact of a, a big, big match coming up that week, and um, we wanted to make sure they would be fully focused and prepared to represent us in the CONCACAF Champions League, and we hope that they do well, and that's why we moved that game. Mark, given the fact that in general weeknight attendance is 
probably about 5,000 heads short of a regular mm-hmm. weekend game. Mm-hmm. Um, is there concern on your end about making those two, giving up those two weekend matches for midweek games, which for, for the, really for the history of the league just have not drawn very well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a consideration we honestly looked at uh, as we were going through that. The, 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 I think we'll be okay. The Montreal game being shifted to October, I think we'll do um, as well, if not better, than it would have done in early April, I believe. Uh, it was Easter weekend, so there's a lot of other other factors that went to that decision. And also, it was you know it was a, a league and club decision around the board to accommodate our partner here. So uh, we did the right thing for our partner there, and um, it was the right thing to do. Uh, and, and, and this summer, I think our fans will be very pleased when we announce um, our plans for the international friendlies. Is there a timetable for that announcement? Yeah, I think we should be able to announce this within the next, I'd say, seven to fourteen days. Here, we should, you know, we should have everything finalized. You know, this all leads up, Mark, to what has really been a vibrant part of the storyline here in, in New York as, as the as the Red Bulls continue to cement their past with the Metro Stars and uh, honor a lot of their past players this year. And this is some fantastic stuff you're revealing to us. Uh, across the river, you do have New York City FC, who have garnered a ton of media attention recently. Uh, first of all, before we delve into them, uh, what is what is uh, your impression, your first impressions, really, of uh, the after effects of what they were able to do this Sunday, and the after effects of uh, of the media coverage and everything else that uh, New York City FC has garnered? One, you know, I think they, they did a great job. On congratulations to them, to their staff, the team on putting off a great kickoff opener to their history, right, as a club in the area. Um, you know, it was a success for them, I think, for the league, for the game itself, right? The the, the media attention that they've garnered for everyone, it's, it's good for the league, it's good for us, it's good for them, and hopefully we'll follow that up with a great match this weekend. Um, and at the end of the day, as I've said all along, I think it's a win-win situation for everyone, Why? Right? We want them to succeed off the pitch, on the pitch. You know, we'll see. Uh, but if we both succeed uh, in driving awareness for the game, for the league, uh, for the sport in the, in the metro area, I think we will both win, and ultimately the fans will win. And, and that's the key key point to make here. It's about driving the awareness of the game and making it accessible to more fans in the metro area, and this is just going to help everyone. And at the end of the day, right, Nine years ago, when we launched, uh, you know, after uh, 10 years of Metro Stars and converted to the Red Bulls, we had 46,000 people at Giant Stadium. So um, it was to be expected that their first home match would be a huge success. Absolutely. I mean, with the the pomp and circumstance Mm -hmm. surrounding this 20th franchise, uh, Mm -hmm. you can definitely bet that they will be getting uh, much of the the media glare and attention for the beginning half of the season. As Mm -hmm. as the season goes on, though, they're again, Red Bull has already started positioning themselves by really touting their strengths, the the history of the club, uh, the the stadium in Harrison. As this goes on, is that going to continue to be the way that Red Bull combats this? How, How do you combat... Uh, a juggernaut, really, NYCFC when it comes to their marketing plans and everything else, and kind of juxtapose that to what Red Bull has to offer? Yeah, I think it's going to be about the experience we deliver for our fans, and when, you know, their fans come to our arena two, twice this season, um, I think they'll they'll experience a game 
the way it should be experienced in, in a soccer-specific stadium, and it'll open some eyes to how great of an experience it is in our arena. And I think we'll continue to be doing what we do in the community, right? We just this week or last night, right, we announced our partnership with uh, the U.S. Soccer Foundation. We're um, basically rehabbing a uh, soccer field um, at University Settlement on the east side, working with the east side community high school, University Settlement. And within the next two months, right, they'll have a brand new field where kids can play, the high school can practice. I mean, we were there last night. I mean, they were, you know, playing on mud and roots and, and it just wasn't safe. And you're going to see more and more of those initiatives for us in the New York metro area, right? In Newark, Ironbound, and the city itself. Um, and we think that's, that's our strategy and we have a clear plan on how we're going to attack it. And we're, we're, we're going to stay focused on our plan. Mark, what do you say to the site of thousands of soccer fans in the city that for whatever reason um, were turned off or at least never turned on enough by this franchise uh, to become fans. And I say that simply because uh, I'm sure you read uh, with great interest seemingly every media report about Sunday's game spoke to a fan that pretty much said something like, and it's a bit of narrative, right, of finally a team in the city, that other team is too far away, and it, I, I don't want to root for that team. And as as the man who is responsible for getting uh, butts and seats, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and building support for the team, what do you? how do you respond to that? You know, I think, again, it's... I don't want to say it's a it's a small minority that said it was a, a you know they had a great great crowd this Sunday. Um, I believe we're we're doing everything we can to attract uh, the soccer fans to our arena who are interested in the sport. And if I look you know objectively at all the metrics I look at every week, you know the numbers are headed in the right direction. We're ahead of last year across the board if you look at every possible metric in terms of season ticket holders in terms of our home opener we're ahead of where we were last year in terms of revenue from merchandise sales in terms of sponsorship sales going up 100 percent so all those things tell me that there's a deep interest in our club in what we have to offer not only from a fan perspective but from a partnership perspective uh and they will eventually come. The folks who experienced New York, uh, you know, Yankee Stadium this weekend, once they come through the path uh, to our arena, once they decide to just walk in for for one match, and maybe it'll be against New York City FC, or maybe it'll be another match, um, we know that our experience will far outmatch the one that they experienced this weekend. Uh, there is no doubt, right? We know that the sight lines there aren't perfect. We know our sight lines are perfect. Uh, we know our staff is 100% committed to this club uh, at Yankee Stadium. They have other priorities sometimes. So we're, and, and that's been our focus this year in the offseason, right? Working with Delaware North, improving every uh, facet of the business once a fan enters the building has been a key priority. And as the season unfolds, hopefully fans will see an improvement game in and game out, right? You're never going to get perfect the first game, but it's going to improve as the season unfolds. 
with with no considerable dip, actually no dip at all in season ticket holders uh, for the New York Red Bulls and outpacing yourselves opening day to opening day, year to year, uh, is it fair to say that you can dispel the idea, the myth, if you'd like to call it that, that Red Bull fans were going to automatically defect? Uh, this was a big fear throughout last year, that mm-hmm. Red Bull fans would suddenly just cross the, uh, the Hudson and say, you know what, we're starting life anew in blue. But that hasn't been the case. Uh, talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, no, I think that was just, uh, you know, unfounded theories, I guess, or, you know, talk out there. But, you know, as I said, being ahead of the game as we have been over the last few months, uh, I think the fans that have followed this club, that have been with this club, right, that have fought with this club, that have cried, that have cheered, um, that have uh, celebrated, are going to stick with us. Uh, through thick and thin, and hopefully they'll be rewarded uh, eventually with uh, what they have been long waiting for, uh, a championship. So, um, you know, their commitment has been unwavering, and it's unbelievable. And we are, you know, we're we're lucky to have such passionate fans. And um, and we've seen also new fans come in in droves, right? I, I believe we've added almost, uh, you know, the same amount of new season ticket holders as we did last season. So our renewals are great and we're still adding new fans. So again, I think it's the rising tide, right? The awareness for the league, the game, um, folks that may were maybe not aware that we were around now realize we're around because of all the media coverage that's going around the game and decide to jump in and, um, you know, chose us over the other team. Mark, obviously, you know, you'd mentioned the passion of the team and you'd mentioned the unwavering support of the team, but there's also um, a very vocal group of people that would like ownership to sell the team, and they've been very visible. And if, I'm sure if you lean out your window to the left or the right, I guess, and squint, you can see some of what they have to say. Um, mm-hmm. And you certainly saw that kind of passion uh, back at the town hall meeting earlier this season. Um, what do you have to? How do you respond to a group of fans that have taken out a large billboard, uh, you know, 300 yards from the stadium, uh, asking politely for ownership to find something else to do? One, you know, thank them for raising the awareness. One way or the other, right? People are seeing more of our name out there. Uh, number two is, listen, I have, uh, I know what our owner has committed to this game. We've all seen it physically, emotionally, what he's done for the game in the metro area. Um, and I don't think you can find a better owner and a more committed owner, right? From everything we've invested in youth development through our academy, through our training facility, now the USL team and our first team and everything we've invested in for our fans over the years. Yes, we haven't won a championship. We all know that, but let's not look in the past. Let's look ahead. Um, and I'd be hard-pressed for anyone to find a, a an owner who's not as committed as he is. And because he's not living here does not mean he's not committed, right? He watches the game. He's absolutely involved in every major decision that occurs here. Um he supports where we're going, the direction we're going in, and um, we he's committed to our fans, the game, the MLS, and all the MLS partners, and uh, we couldn't be uh, luckier as, uh, you know, employees 